Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. Hello all, I'm Bob Boylan with All Songs Considered. And today, a conversation with Nathaniel Rateliff and one of his bandmates from the Night Sweats, keyboardist Mark Schusterman. They're here to play DJ, to pick music they love, and in this case, songs that influenced the making of their new album, Tearing at the Seams. And that album just came out today. It's their second studio album. You start looking mean. You need something. The scrappy-looking, mostly bearded, all-mustache band of eight make music steeped in rhythm and blues and a good dose of old-time rock and roll. When Nathaniel and Mark came to our New York studios a few weeks ago, I was in D.C. listening to one of their picks, a song from the late 1960s written by Leon Russell about singer Rita Coolidge and performed here by Joe Cocker, and the song is Delta Lady. You can sing along. Delta Lady. Yeah. Delta Lady. You getting comfy there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're good. Good. Are you uh, <laughs> over there? I am here. I am rolling. <laughs> I am born rolling. Cool. It's Bob here. Hey, Bob. Cool. Nathaniel and Mark here. Hey, Bob. Hello there. Uh, Mark, I, I, we've seen each other, but I don't... Uh, we have, yeah. I'm Mark Schusterman. I play the keyboards, the keyboards in Night Sweats. play the piano and the Hammond organ. But he is also generally our like Spotify playlist guy. So. Yeah, I'm, I do a, a Spotify playlist for the band called The Beat Don't Sleep. Ooh, uh, tell me about that. I've been doing a playlist on my own for a while, like 10 or so songs a week. It's mostly old stuff, but uh, you know I'm putting in new tunes that I've been listening to of new artists. But a lot of it's just kind of older tunes, and it's it's all over the place. It's some exotica stuff, some more found sound stuff, but also a lot of soul, R and B, and rock and roll. Is this for the bus? A like, lot the, of Deep Purple right now. Really? <laughs> 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 I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's uh, a lot of organ. That makes yeah, sense. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Deep yeah, Purple were right a, now, so. a great band for heavy metal organ. Yeah, exactly. And no, he was, just, he was talking about modding his Hammond earlier, so now that all makes sense. <laughs> God. I used to tour with the Leslie Cabinet, although... I, yeah. I tour with two. You tour with two. Oh, we had nobody else to carry it, however. That's... <laughs> see, I was not allowed to do it until we got a crew. I think. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, I was like, a Nord will be fine. Yes. <laughs> no one will know. Yeah, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the Hammond organ, beautiful organ, and one of the reasons it's so beautiful, it uses these speakers oftentimes that are these beautiful speakers that actually rotate. They spin around. You've seen them, I'm sure, at concerts, and it gives such depth and warmth, and this bottom speaker, this big bottom speaker turns as well. What a beautiful sound. 
uh, back in the old days when I, I played synth in a band, they uh, they didn't know how to mic those things, and the only way to make a good sound <laughs> was on uh, my mono Arp Odyssey was to throw it into a, a, a big Leslie cabinet, and it sounded awesome. Oh, sweet. <laughs> That's great. But you are definitely um, quite uh, attr- attracted to the uh, to the organ. I, I think if I at any moment pull up any song that's on this list, let's let's just see if there's a Leslie in here or a Hammond. I mean, oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> yep. Let's take this to the top. I want this to be. How could we make this the first song we play? And uh, this is a little play- yeah, if you want to a little playlist of what we're going to do today. Comes the chorus. <laughs> so you two, uh, Mark Nathaniel, you two have put a list together of it's a long list. We won't get to all of, them, uh, of songs for us <laughs> to play on, on this show today. Did anyone in particular pick this, or how did you hammer this list out? Um, some of them are sort of influences from like what I was kind of thinking of when I was writing and then Mark added a few of them there as well and but a lot of this stuff is like kind of what we've been listening to over the past three years on the road really so mm-hmm. Nathaniel you said you were listening to some of this this stuff influences you when you write do you actually listen to, to music when you're writing because I know a lot of people just get themselves as far away from influences as possible doesn't sound like you do that no, and but I listen to a lot of different things, you know, like Ray Charles compared to Laura Marling, there's quite a bit of difference right. um, <laughs> in styles and, and writing and performance. And uh, But, you know, for I think for this record, I thought a lot about narrative and what I wanted to say. And I think with this list of songs, there has a lot to do with love and, and sacrifice and caring about the people around you, I guess. Let's pick one. Mm-hmm. You know, let's start with Nothing Not Nearly, Laura Marling, since... Uh, I've known her for a long time, and it's been interesting to see her grow as a person. And because uh, I, I started touring with her when she was 19, so a lot has changed in her life since then. And I just think the writing's spectacular on that song, and I could really identify with it in the last year of my life and a lot of things I went through. Nothing matters more than love, no, no. 
<laughs> Blake Mills. Yeah. Oh, man. Is he doing that 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 rhythm chunk? Or he is that produced the record, and I think that is him playing slide. I bet. Um, yeah. It sounds like Blake Mills. His production is so rad. That like opening guitar, just yeah, it's killer. Barrage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it about this song you? Uh, that you said Nathaniel uh, at the beginning she's gone you've gone through a lot in the past year and this song and she's gone through a yeah, lot yeah I'm yeah at one point I was like man I hope she's writing this for me uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like I'm, I've lost my hair I could move to the woods the only so. thing I, I, I learned in a year where I something like I didn't smile didn't, once yeah the only <laughs> thing not not really and I definitely felt like that before yeah. where uh, you know I think I was just kind of struggling and you have good times but then you don't really like feel like you're connecting with anything and you don't really feel like you're you have like true joy in your life you know so and then you know she's like nothing matters more than love so uh i think we all try to struggle to find love in our lives and um i mean i always have so it doesn't always work out unfortunately so is it easy for you to uh both of you or to make music that is so deeply personal is that actually maybe the only kind of music you can make a lot of people write metaphorically or or in third person or it's not like the music can. I make on my own is is not at all personal <laughs> um, I can't make music personal yeah. I'm I'm also like a, a lyric second person which may be why yeah I'm a know, lyric first I can work person. with Nathaniel really well because um, <laughs> I'll I'm really into arrangement I'm really into uh, I love the way her voice sounds on the song the vibrato she uses is gorgeous and, and what you singing about Mark <laughs> what is she singing about? I don't know. Yeah. Like getting dinner? <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she. Uh, it, it's not my my first impression of a song, but it's if a song is great, it'll force me to hear those words, and then a lot of times that's what really mm-hmm. drives it home. Well, let me ask you: when you guys are all working together, big band, and it's your time. Mark to find the keyboard part in the song. Where do the words come into how you start to feel and play a tune? When we're working together, I always hear Nathaniel's words because, you know, he's a very strong lyrical writer. Mm-hmm. And I just try and, a lot on this record, I'm just trying to follow his voice. Like, there's a lot of organ on it that I'm really just like almost trying to sing with him, but with the organ. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and play it that way. Uh-huh. I bet this is you, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> See, he's screaming, l- and I'm l- screaming on the organ. Let <laughs> <laughs> me play a little of uh, the song intro uh, on the new record. It's a great cut.
hate pulling it down there, but it's, it, this song... Jeffrey Daisy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, this feels like this came alive in a room together. Would I be right about that? It's, it is yeah. exactly that. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, um, yeah, it's everybody in one room. A lot of our new record is recorded that way. Um, but a lot of the records that we all love, I feel, are done in one room with, yeah. you know, just instruments bleeding all over the place and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the sound's getting crossed, but... And when people, uh, a lot of this record for, for people when the, you hear instruments are bleeding oh, yeah, bleed, all over yeah. the place, uh, that has <laughs> that has more to do with microphones picking up sounds that aren't supposed to be picking up those sounds. I just just like no, set the record straight. Punching each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I meant it like you know they're just suffering these instruments. Um, you know, you know, um, but yeah, I, we really love. We've become a, a, a live band and yeah. a band over the last three years. And I thought it was important for us to to try to have that aspect in the studio, and um, and Richard, it's all for it. So mm-hmm. Richard I mean, here even is when uh, he saw, yeah, people don't the, know Richard Swift Richard is Swift. yeah sorry yeah go is our producer, uh, and he's always like I don't know let's try to do the whole thing with one mic, so <laughs> kind of his approach. I love that uh, guy. And uh, yeah, yeah, me too. And and uh, he just likes getting weird with the music too. He's um, he'll always be like you get me weird man so yeah no. <laughs> so uh for those who don't know uh richard swift you probably heard many of his records um uh he's he's also a musician his solo records are pretty great uh he's right mm-hmm. plays with the arcs these days minor birds is a record recently that uh he did he's got a little damien uh, gerardo yeah mm-hmm. Lucius, I think he just did their most recent record. I, I mean, he was working on it. Yeah, they? I think they're still. Who are also on your, a bit on your record? At least, uh, is it just Holly yeah. and Jess yep. from? Uh, yeah, just just those two. The studio that he has is in uh, somewhere in Oregon, like Cottage Grove or someplace. Yeah, exactly. It's just south of Eugene, and it's um, it's a bit of a lackluster if you have the idea of uh, a studio being like a lot of shiny equipment and um you know interns running around to get lunch and that sort of thing isolation booths isolation booths <laughs> headphone mixes <laughs> that kind of stuff there really isn't that in his yeah. studio it's it's uh like a lot of the record you know we were just sitting in the room together with no headphones it'd be mm-hmm. like pat would have headphones on just because his uh his ears hurt him <laughs> <laughs> so how do you work with richard but or let's just talk about this record you get to this yeah. studio in hell in in somewhere in the middle of Oregon. Uh, you, you, the whole band is there at the beginning, and question mark, and then uh, and some of the songs maybe are written. Tell me, tell me, just paint the picture for me. For this record, we actually went and like just stayed at a house in New Mexico in the middle of nowhere and demoed a lot of the songs. Mm-hmm. And came out of that with 11 songs. Uh, and we were there for seven days and did 11 songs. Brought those 11 songs to Richard. And then, you know, he had kind of already listened to them, which was pretty hilarious because our one joke song was the one he thought was the best. Um, <laughs> it was like some late night rendition of like Andy playing flute. And yeah. uh, it was uh, called like White a, Suit. Yeah, it's like a song um, Pat and I jokingly play at Soundcheck <laughs> and everyone laughs about. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> you know what? I think this song's got legs. Yeah. We should work on it. <laughs> Did not make so, the record. <laughs> but our first day with Richard, we you know we took those 11 songs uh, to Richard in May, I believe. 
and um had a couple of weeks there with him and uh his, the first night there he was just like why don't you guys just go in and you know just make a little bit of noise do like basically like a sound check and we had all had our gear set up so the guys went in everybody but me because i was like we don't need two guitars noodling so i'll just sit in here and um mark started playing this like kind of tune that he usually played during sound check as well and uh, that ended up being shoe boot after just a few takes And the Pat you were referring to earlier is Patrick Meese, yeah? Is that the drummer? Yep, the drummer. Tell me who else we hear here. Well, that's Joseph on bass. And then we have... Joseph Pope. Joseph Pope, yeah. And then Luke Bossman on guitar. And Mark Schusterman on organ. And then Scott Frock on trumpet. And Jeff Daisy on saxophone. Or on tenor. But the Barry, the, the other two horn players weren't there yet, so it was actually just Andy, which hmm. I kind of love because Barry, he's just yeah. like playing Barry in the middle of the room, going just going nuts on it. Yeah. And then later on, he was like, man, I want to redo my Barry part and kind of match it up with the bass line. I was like, no way. Yeah, I think the rest of us <laughs> were like, nope. Leave that. Yeah, just like, <laughs> I was like, that Barry part makes no sense. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And were you scribbling words, or you had words, or where were uh, you? I didn't have any words. This was just literally like, a, that, like the guys who just played it a few times, and I drunkenly stumbled in. and was like, "Sounds good if you blah blah blue." And then I got a lot of rolling eyes, and then I went back into the, <laughs> back into the sound booth, and um, you know, back into the control room, and then they just did like a couple more takes, and then Richard was like, "Hey, why don't you guys come in here and listen to it?" And that's what this is. And we then, didn't think that when we were going to go in and listen that we were like going to listen to a song that was done for the record we were like <laughs> we were like oh yeah i mean all of our all of our instruments sound good yeah. <laughs> like and and we walked in and and richard is so good at making things sound good like right off the bat mm-hmm. i don't know i haven't worked with a ton of producers but you don't hear that often like a lot of producers are like oh we'll take care of that in post yeah he richard mixes just as we going so yeah it's, like- it's just it sounds great like you walk into the room and you're like all right and he has these giant monitors so and he his sort of mixing style is like so quiet you can barely hear it and so loud you can barely be in the room mm-hmm. so he's like why don't you guys come and listen to this and it's like louder than it was in the live room <laughs> just like yeah. and you're like yeah this sounds great <laughs> like screaming over the the performance yeah well let's crank it up here a little oh, bit uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but it's like out of two. <laughs> but it's perfect. <laughs> you were gonna say something before. Uh, oh yeah, I cut you off there. That, so that organ solo, like <laughs> I'm flicking the the power on and off of the Hammond. And again, if you if you don't know how the Hammond works, it's like you turn it off, it's like turning a car off. Yeah, it actually has a real <laughs> starter. You yeah. have like a switch that you put up and it's like and then another one you switch yeah. to engage the motor. But if you like if you one. turn it off and on really quick and catch it in just the right time, it'll like bend, it'll like basically pitch bend. And I did that in the middle of the song, in the middle of that solo, and then it didn't quite get back up to pitch. So the rest of the solo is me <laughs> trying to like find it. It's like, ah, 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 ah. 
but like you know we did that as a take as a full band walked in the room and you know i'm like oh man that organ didn't get back into tune we listened to it and we were just like we are not going to get anything better than that. <laughs> yeah. That's like as yeah. good as that solo is going to be. Richard, it sounds awesome. Richard Swift always always says this. He's like, well, you can't pay for a mistake like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, yeah. Which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. When you're playing live in a room, like there might be like a squeaky drum pedal or, you mm-hmm. know, like and you just have to get over that stuff. And, yeah. and, and I think nowadays you can go in and like edit so much stuff that I feel like some music's just becoming kind of sterile and has... Just no, becoming, yeah. no <laughs> you're being kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play something uh, else on the list. Here's something that uh, um, struck me. I'm going to pick something from your list, and I'll just yeah, kinda, okay. It's a it's a nine minute song, so I'm just going to randomly see what happens. Are we talking about compared to what? We are very good. Uh, this is Les uh-huh. McCann and Eddie Harris. This is. Oh, that's a good part. <laughs> I think I could have done it any part, but yes. Let's listen a little bit. Possession is the motivation that is hanging up. The goddamn nation looks like we always end up in a rut. Everybody now trying to make it real compared to what? Killing hoes, twisted children are killing frogs. Poor dumb rednecks rolling logs, tired old ladies kissing dogs. I hate the human love of that stinking mud. I can't use it, trying to make it real compared to what. Come on, baby. <laughs> wow, so good. It is really that the is. Montro? Yeah, Montro? It, it sure was. Yeah. Uh, I just found out that was the, the version that made that song famous, and it was originally written by someone else, which I did not know. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, this was 1969 Montreux Jazz Festival. I worked in record stores back in uh, in 70, 71, well, through all through the, most of the 70s, and it easily was the biggest jazz selling jazz record I think we had I, I still because we had to write down the num the label and number uh, every time you sold a record <laughs> back then because this is pre barcode uh, days I still can remember the label and the number of the album which was Atlantic <laughs> 15 <laughs> <had> 34 <laughs> yes indeed it's <laughs> sad and sick uh, but that just speaks to how what a great record this was in, in an era that I don't I mean jazz records sell but everybody knew this uh, song yeah it's funny because you don't hear it as much anymore uh but you know now we have uh three pretty amazing horn players in our band and i feel like i've really had to uh you know and and even like uh going to new orleans a lot there's so much uh, horn music that i love just like all those different melodies and voices kind of together sometimes and and then just great solos and like you know you can't really 
I don't know. It's hard sometimes when you're playing live. Solos just happen, and uh, you can't recreate them. You know, so like that. Some of his stuff he's doing there just sounds so good to me. Mark, how's your uh, how's your Les McCann? I mean, I can hear you guys down in New Orleans breaking into that tune at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. I will have to work on that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it strikes me, the music that you both love, we talked about, is often music that's live, that's recorded live either in a studio or, record, or, or happens live. That excitement of, of the single take uh, is really important to both of you. And But then also, mm-hmm. this is music that came out, I, I don't know how old uh, you both are, but I'm going to guess... Let's go, you know, in late, we'll, we'll say late 30s. Okay. Would I be oh, close? Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, and so easily this, most of this music that I see on your list was, had its heyday in easy 15 years before you guys were born. And so I'm kind of wondering how it all happened. What's your attraction to it? How did you both find this music? I found a lot of, after my dad passed away, he had a, a big record collection. Going through those records, and a lot of it, you know, when I was a kid, it was uh, I wasn't supposed to listen to secular music because we were in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. But then uh, my dad, you know, secretly had his, like, giant stash of vinyl. Where was and that? Then going I mean, through did, were you even that. aware of that as a kid, that he had this? I knew about it, and, yeah. like, kind of before he had passed away, he started getting a little, he lightened up, and then we started listening to, like, the oldies radio, and he introduced me to, like, listening to Van Morrison, and uh-huh. I heard Bob Dylan for the first time. With and you were how old? I was probably, well, um, 38, and that was 25 years ago. Okay, so, so whatever you're 13. Is, like yeah. 13, 14, yeah. Uh, going through his records after he'd passed away was sort of like my connection to him and like kind of the story that he left me, whether he'd been to or not. And, you know, going through those records, I found stuff like Van Morrison and Mad Dog and Englishman, uh, Joe Cocker, Delta Lady, Leon Russell, um, and then, you know, things like Big uh, Muddy Waters sings Big Bill Brunzi and Muddy Waters folk singer, uh, you know, just like kind of a lot of different things that I had never really listened to, and kind of getting, I don't know, my like small education from mm-hmm. that vinyl collection made me start collecting my own vinyl, and kind of really dig into sort of like, you know, at first like sort of like the '60s and '70s. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I started to fall in love with stuff like Nina Simone and then also like Ray Charles live at Newport in 1958. Like Mm -hmm. just such an amazing live recording that that's what they sound like live is um, just incredible to me that that's what bands sounded like on stage, you know. Um, And so I I guess kind of, you know, I've always been a big fan of history. And so through my dad and what he left me and then my own curiosity I just kept digging and I still do you know um, so you want to introduce this Ray Charles song mm. yeah this is Fool for You live at Newport 1958 
Mark, you come into this music. How how did that happen? Um, I you know I guess also dads. I mean, huh. my dad was uh, very much into jazz. I grew up pretty much exclusively listening to he he listened to the Beatles and then he listened to classical and jazz. <laughs> and uh, um, the Beatles were like the only rock and roll band <laughs> <laughs> that was worth anything. And then. <laughs> And then it was like jazz and, and classical. So I, I grew up playing classical piano and listening to jazz piano. I kind of wasn't allowed to play jazz piano till I got good at classical. Um, and I kind of <laughs> never ended up playing jazz piano. I've, I've more been teaching myself that recently. I, I went straight from classical to rock and roll, uh, piano, Monk, and Ray Charles, and Bill Evans, and that kind of stuff was always playing in the house. And inspired me and the same thing happened I as I got older I worked at a record store started collecting my own records and I think if you are into music and you love it anyone that you're listening to that's contemporary is going to have an interview where they're like oh the best music is you know this and this and this and it's all coming from you know the 50s and the 60s and, and the 70s and it was just a beautiful time for music to be made Mm-hmm. And it was we, all br- new. It was yeah. brand new discoveries of like different types of cultures coming together to create that type of music, and and that's kind of why it's it just doesn't feel like it'll happen again. So. I know it's a, a sad thought, and the collaboration that was going on back then, where like every musician was, they were going to shows all the time, and they were meeting musicians totally cross genreed and talking about music in a way with excitement and and collaborating and working together we try and do that um you know we want to yeah. we want to be a part of that experience and um but you know who knows if it'll ever happen again it's we've gone pretty far away from it when you guys go to a music festival let's say you play well i guess you played newport folk as opposed to newport jazz these days but let's say you went down to new orleans the intermingling do you get enough time to meet and hang and do anything is yeah um, what would foster well, that? It's, well it's been kind of cool coming up over the last three years in the same time people like leon bridges and Margot price and running into those folks and watching you know their lives and audience change and uh 
And sometimes it's good to just talk to somebody because there was times where I was just like, I was like, Leanne, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, <laughs> like, how do you feel in front of these big audiences in festivals where you don't have the same connection? And he's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. You know, and so it's kind of, in some ways, I feel like we were all in the, in a similar spot. And, um, and uh, you know, when we see each other, it's, it's always good. You know, whether it's just like hanging out backstage in a festival or going out on the town or meeting somewhere and having yeah. dinner together and uh it still feel like a real family thing and i know like for us in the night sweats we always try to bring those people on stage that are friends of ours and try to collaborate and keep that sort of family mm-hmm. and community feeling together you know some festivals do a better job than others to right. fostering that like newport newport's amazing newport's yeah. amazing and uh, the new orleans jazz fest is amazing i don't feel like i'm the caliber of musician i need to be to yeah. sit in with any of those guys i could i'll sing and then, <laughs> and then festivals like coachella they're just massive and we're all just like walking around with our our jaws dropped like what is happening <laughs> like we don't it in here. You mean there because it's, sort, it's just... sort of, it's like going to the checkout at the grocery store where it's your turn. <laughs> you do your thing yeah, as a right. band. Exactly. And then you're out. Yeah. When you talked about Newport, there's lots of stuff that happens backstage that all musicians are, they're more or less together in, in a room back there. They're right. eating together. They're watching each other's sets. They can, you can feel free enough to walk around the grounds and people won't, you know, whatever. Right. Right. And and then there's the evening stuff where there's sessions at in with the Blues Cafe and there's you know, all sorts of stuff. And there's not a lot of space there. So, you know, like uh, <laughs> I remember walking around one time and then Jay Swede, who runs the festival, was uh, walking with Patti Smith and... She's like, oh, Patty, this is Nathaniel. And I was like, hi. And I was standing there with Joseph and uh, my wife at the time. And she's like, you all look like family. You kind of are. You know, and so those kind of things just happen because you feel, like, really open and you don't feel sheltered. And so, you know, folks like Patty Smith or John Prine will just be, like, yeah. walking from one place to another or Chris Christopherson. And uh, you'd be like, hey, how's it going? You know? <laughs> some of those larger festivals though it doesn't have that sense of family and community it has uh, more of a I don't know it's, it just gets kind of lost and it's more of a mob mentality sometimes so. yeah. how'd you two meet? Um, boy I remember I w- yeah go ahead you got <laughs> it well we've been in Denver for a long time just like yeah. I remember seeing Nathaniel a long time ago um, I was in a different band called Widowers and, and we played shows together Yeah, but then eventually when we were talking about playing music you yeah. came to a, a Blue Rider show it's another band yeah I'd, I'd seen Mark play um, keyboards and I was uh, my friend James Hahn who had played with me for years just wasn't really able to tour anymore and um, and I was like man I need a badass keyboard player and uh <laughs> I just walked up to Mark one day. I was like, how do you feel about uh, playing in a band? And huh. sent him some songs. There were early Night Sweats demos. And what years? I remember he sent me. That was like five years ago, mm-hmm. six years ago. He sent me Trying So Hard and, and uh, Look at Look here, here. I was like, yeah, totally. I'd, I'd play, you know, not thinking much of it. And he sent me those two songs. And I was just like, whoa, I have got, I'm <laughs> definitely going to do this. You know, it's it was they were just like so powerful and and i did whatever it took and we did some tours uh supporting his like folk yeah. folk band stuff which was also great um but then once the night sweat stuff really got going it was yeah 
surprised Smooth us all. Sailing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it> did. <laughs> Let me play this uh, from the new record. Uh, I'll play all Tearing right. at the Seams. Let me ask each of you a question. So you play music together now. It's been a handful of years. Uh, Mark, when you play with Nathaniel, like what do you get from what he does? What inspires you about Nathaniel? And then I'm going to flip it around ask you, Nathaniel. Cool. I think Nathaniel is just a, a very powerful songwriter as someone myself that I try to write songs it blows my mind the kind of songs that he can write and and um, and I just want to do justice to that song you know sometimes he's played me songs that just in in his living room that just like hit me in the heart and I think like I can't make this song any better and he's like no, I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to play this as a band. I think this song will be good as a band. And, and so my job is to try and make whatever I'm doing, do the song justice and make the song better. And it's it's a challenge, but it's also, you know, it makes me get places that I didn't think that I could get when I'm playing on my own or when I'm playing with other bands where I'm more leading the way. It's like trying to just do justice to his music. It's really inspirational. You do some pretty uplifting stuff under those vocals of his i'm gonna say it's pretty it's pretty Thank wonderful you. yeah yeah i had somebody say uh talking about the record there's a lot of melodies <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but i i never thought of it that way i just uh you know when we were recording a lot of the songs like i just didn't trust it mark and everybody in the band is doing what is best you know not because of their egos or anything like that but actually i feel like we're just all trying to serve the song and do it is best for it you know mm-hmm. and mark inspires you how yeah well you know um mark always has a lot of good ideas uh, and a lot of good melodies and i'm you know i i try to write the best i can but i really always hung up on melodies and so i i'd li- like to listen to the stuff he comes up with on his own 
And I'm always like, hmm, what's that? <laughs> like, I, I won't see him for a while, and he'll come back and be playing something. I'll be like, hmm, sounds like Mark's been practicing by himself a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and, but, you know, like, I like what he brings to the table, and on stage, he's like, he has a lot of energy. You know, when he was he was out for a little bit last year, having a baby with his wife, or mm-hmm. you weren't necessarily having it, but... <laughs> I'll say for it. The greater you were. That <laughs> would have been our lead, were. wouldn't it? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. um, and we had a friend fill in, but it's just not the same. You know, Mark has a great voice, and there's a lot to be said singing harmony with someone else. And mm-hmm. there's a certain way I like it to be done, and uh, Mark nails it, you know, and uh, but also just brings a lot of energy. And, you know, he's our hype man. So he's out there dancing and having a good time, and you kind of have to sometimes let go of whatever's happening in, in your personal life or you know what's happening off stage to go out on stage and and lay it all out there and i feel like mark always does that if i were to play we'll go out on one song in your list uh maybe a song that you would go down the road singing i don't know i'm just one we would sing together you, do you ever do that? They drove old Dixie down. That's yeah, so funny cuz i had my finger Dixie. on the button of that song <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was yeah. wondering Oh, gosh, what a great song this is. Hey, listen, it's been great talking to you both. I love the new record. Can't wait Thank to see you. you guys do it live. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward I, to seeing you. Yeah. And um, let's give a listen to uh, Lee Van Helm singing this amazing song uh, from the band, 1969. You ready for, do it for the chorus, folks? <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> Thanks all. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Nathaniel Rateliff and Mark Schusterman. The new album by Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats is called Tearing at the Seams. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered. Did you know that over 15 million people a month listen to NPR podcasts, according to PodTrack's podcast metrics? Check out all our shows at npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.